Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. I'm about to tell you about some really weird government technology. Um, (laughs) But first, I want to clarify something about my podcast from yesterday. Of course, I revealed yesterday that I am in the midst of producing an experiment that involves me giving away free money to lucky people, um, and you have to be a subscriber to my e-newsletter list, because occasionally I'll just, uh, unannounced to anybody in the world, I'll send a special email, and it says, you know, click here or do this or that, and the first person who does that is going to receive cold hard cash. And again, down the road, I'll tell you what the purpose of this experiment is, uh, or was, um, and I think you'll understand why this is so interesting. But what I want to clarify is that this is not just for people who are new signing up for my e-newsletter. This is for all subscribers. So if you've been subscribing to my e-newsletter for 10 years, you are just as able and qualified to participate in this and get some money as somebody who signs up in five minutes. So uh, it's for all subscribers, but you do have to be, of course, a subscriber to the free e-newsletter, which is always full of good stuff. Um, and I, I don't send them out that often. Um, I, I got some emails from some people who were worried, saying, like, I haven't gotten one in a while. And that's because I only send them out every so often. I don't want to blow up your inbox. Frankly, I don't have the time to sit down every day and write up some newsletter anyway, because these are actual newsletters that I sit down and type with my own fingers to tell you about new experiments or new events or just some of my thoughts and musings. Um, so, uh, I don't ever allow anybody to abuse this. And in, in other words, I don't sell this to advertisers or anything like that. It's just me communicating directly with you. And, uh, sometimes I get complimented and people say, well, it's, they're so well written. Sometimes they wonder, you know, if, if, if it was written by a, a real person and I say, well, yes, I am a professional writer. And so, uh, th- I take that as a great compliment, but you know you'll catch some typos here and there. So anyway, if you want to uh, subscribe to my free e-newsletter, though, remember, in order to participate with this experiment, and uh, and I might give away some money any second. Uh, you never know when it's going to happen. You have to go to joshuapwarren.com. There's no period after the P. Go to joshuapwarren.com and just put your email address in there. You'll see at the top it says enter your email address, hit the enter button, and you're done. And you'll actually get a link that will pop up if you would like to click it that will take you to what I call an instant free good luck charm. So anyway, that said, here's the uh, the weird research that I want to tell you about. And this is interesting to me on many different levels. Um, It was Lauren who actually brought this to my attention. And let's see here. I'm going to bring up an article right now. And the article is from defense1.com. The headline is, 
The U.S. military is making lasers that create voices out of thin air. And there is this YouTube video attached, and it shows this um, sort of odd spinning disc with a bright light in front of it. And let me read you a little bit about what this says here. It says, within three years... The Pentagon's non-lethal weapons lab hopes to have a direct energy weapon that can produce an effect like a haunted walkie-talkie or the biblical burning bush. And it says, watch the video and listen for what sounds like a human voice during the second spin. This is not an audio recording or a broadio or, or a broadcast transmitted over radio. It's not human at all. It's an auditory effect that's created by military scientists who manipulate the air with lasers. So, um, they're calling this laser-induced plasma effect. And this is going to be a little bit technical, but it says the weapon is composed of two parts. First, there is a, it's a laser called a femtosecond laser which shoots a burst of focused light for about 10 to 15 seconds, just long enough to rip the electrons from air molecules and create a ball of plasma. The scientists then hit that plasma field with a second nano laser tuned to an extremely narrow range of wavelengths. And they use that to manipulate the plasma field in a way that can produce light and noise if you get the interaction precise enough you get something that sounds like a haunted walkie-talkie okay so in other words you've heard me talk over the years i'm sure a lot about plasma plasma is um just as this article was pointing out here it's it's the fourth state of matter and essentially um it's it's sort of like an electrified gas and so um, I have for many, many years believed that uh, a lot of paranormal phenomena is accompanied by a plasma, especially, say, like the brown mountain lights, which, of course, are these balls of light which appear on this ridge in western North Carolina. And I believe that uh, in many cases, you know, whatever other weird things accompany these sites where plasmas occur in nature, you often have some type of enormous natural electrical power supply there which is supercharging the entire area and thereby allowing these plasmas to form and uh, if you're not familiar with plasma just think like a candle flame is a form of plasma a lightning bolt is a form of plasma Um, most of the known universe exists in a state of plasma it's just more rare here on earth so it's it's a glowing you know, uh, sort of shape, often shape-shifting looking thing, you know. And so they have one laser that's shooting into the air and heating a certain spot, apparently, in front of this dish. I guess it's some kind of like a parabolic dish so it can really focus where this beam is directed. So this dish is, is using this, um, I, I'm assuming, this parabolic shape to concentrate the laser onto a spot 
where the air is being turned into a little blob of plasma and at the same time it's being hit by a second laser and by the way before i even move on that's pretty darn amazing that they can even create some kind of little plasma sitting there in front of a dish with a laser that's amazing to me but then you hit that one with the second laser and the idea is that these two interact and they start to make a sound and that if you fine-tune that sound you can make it sound a lot like a voice um a voice just you know in midair and actually this video is only uh, 25 seconds long that demonstrates this and i would try to play the audio for you on this podcast but honestly it's such a weird sounding thing that i was messing around with it and i don't think i can do it justice by replaying it on the podcast so what i'm going to do instead is put a link to this on my um on my twitter feed and then you can go and uh my twitter feed is easy to find if you just go to joshuapwarren.com you'll find a list of all my tweets there off in a little box off to the side. And then you can just bring this up and you can hear this from the direct source. I am going to play it in the background just a little bit, just to see if any of this comes through. Now, now first off, you're going to hear this like um, really high-pitched sound. And then after that, you're going to hear um, what sounds like a muffled electronic voice. Let's just see how this comes through. I don't know if if that worked for you at all on your end, Um, but you might have been able to get at least enough of an impression right there to tell um, that it's kind of like, but it does sound like some kind of a voice. And this is, this is pretty amazing on an, on a number of levels. For one thing, not only does it give us some kind of lab proof that, plasmas however they are created are capable of producing a wide wide range of effects which one would consider paranormal but uh it also might apply to some of the conspiracy theories about the kinds of things that the government is working on um gosh there's so much running through my head right now let me see okay for one thing okay let's say you have a place like brown mountain where these types of plasmas just so happen to occur naturally. And you're just on some camping trip, you know, and you don't, you're not expecting to encounter some big ball of light or some big glowing form. And so the next thing you know, you know, you, you turn and you see some luminous form that maybe has some sound coming from it that could even sound like a voice. That's going to freak you out. You're not going to know what you just saw. This also reminds me a lot of these um, stories that I've mentioned from Puerto Rico over the years, where someone, like usually a couple, will wake up in the middle of the night to find some ball of light hovering at the foot of the bed. Of course, they're petrified, and then this sound comes from the ball of light, and to one person, it just sounds like some kind of high-pitched noise, sometimes described as like a tape recorder with the recording played in fast motion, like, and then the other person says, 
they hear a voice coming from it. Now, granted, they claim that the voice is much clearer than what I'm hearing right here. But the idea that some kind of blob of plasma can create, you know, any type of a voice-like effect is quite astounding. And in fact, you know, I have talked a lot over the years about the HARP project. The um, It's H-A-A-R-P. I believe it stands for the High Active Auroral Research or High Frequency Active Auroral Research Project. And, um, you know, it's it's beaming these incredible amounts of uh, radio energy onto very small parts of the atmosphere in order to create a variety of effects, which could be anywhere from, you know, enhancing communication and transmission for broadcasts, or it could possibly relate to weather control or even something like Tesla's death ray. But here in Puerto Rico, the Arecibo Observatory is an official outpost of the HARP project. They call it an ionospheric research center. And so basically it's like a, it's really an ionospheric heater. So in other words, these are places where you have a dish and the dish here in Arecibo, for example, was intended originally just to be passive and receive signals. But you can just as easily reverse that by adding a charge and a transmission and it becomes active so it goes from being a passive dish to an active dish and now it's beaming um, an energy field or a stream of energy uh, and we're usually talking about in this particular case perhaps close to a million watts or more of power into these small spots on the ionosphere. So th- this kind of experimentation is happening here in Puerto Rico and I wonder sometimes when I go to people's ho- homes and they tell me about hearing voices if it could be because of their proximity. Uh, for example, years ago there was a man named Michael Rivera uh, who was very kind and contacted me and asked me to come to his home and allowed me to spend the night in his home for at least two or three nights. And it was kind of risky because this guy who um, lives here near Mayoez, Puerto Rico, um, he said that uh, he thought he was being possessed by the devil or that there was some kind of a demon in his home because he kept hearing the this sort of disembodied voice and michael seemed like a very reasonable rational person in every way that i was able to to see um except he was being sort of haunted and even tormented by this voice which he would describe as always having this kind of electronic sound and so you know, I did everything I could while I was staying at his house to try to, to, to capture this. And I never really got anything that was, that was impressive. But, um, but I don't doubt that, you know, he was having this experience sometimes. And he, you know, was perhaps in the pathway of some of these transmissions that are associated with the Arecibo and the Heart Project. And so, again, the idea is that maybe we have this auditory component that 
can often sound like a voice created by these artificial means. But perhaps the bigger picture, of course, is reminiscent of one of the classic conspiracy theories out there. It's been out there for decades now. Project Bluebeam. Now, this was popularized by a Canadian researcher and author named Sergei Manast. And essentially, in 1994, he published this book called Project Bluebeam, NASA, in which he detailed his claim that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a New Age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via a technologically simulated second coming of Christ. Okay, so in other words, you have these people, of course, who are waiting for Jesus to return, and some of them envision him as being some big, glorious, radiant vision in the sky that appears and speaks to you like the Wizard of Oz, And so the idea is that, well, if people believe that, and and that's how they imagine this is going to look when it happens, then let's figure out how to create that and literally pull a Wizard of Oz. So, you know, you would have officials with the government who could create what looks like the second coming, and then Jesus tells everybody what to do, and they say, okay. No problem. You know, this is coming from the big guy. And and really it that brings up the question of how do you how, how do you know, right? If you meet Jesus. Like let's say and I've had this conversation in a bar before with people where we're sitting around and I'm like, what if a guy walked in here right now in a robe and sat down and said, "I am Jesus. I I'm back." Uh what would it take for that guy to convince you that he is, in fact, Jesus? What, do you want him to do a magic trick for you? I mean, really, think about that. And that may sound absurd when you view it that way. You know, what test would you require of this individual or this entity to pass in order for you to believe it? So this kind of stuff, you know, if Project Bluebeam is is true, it means, look, you could have some giant glorious apparition that appears and speaks to you from the heavens and still not necessarily be certain that this is not, you know, David Copperfield and NASA there working to create this ultimate illusion that's going to satisfy your expectation. Now, this is a pretty far-fetched idea, but think of this honestly, though, from a military standpoint. Let's say there is a battle going on, and you're fighting a bunch of religious zealots, and you know there's no way they're going to give up because they believe they're fighting for their version of God, Um, It would be fantastic, wouldn't it, to be able to produce 
something in the battlefield that would be perceived by them as their God saying, that's enough. Lay down your arms. That's enough. And And that might be the only thing that could work. At very least, if we can create these kind of glowing forms that look like beings that can speak, at very least, it's going to possibly scare the ever-living crap out of people when they are, you know, in some type of uh, a situation where they are, are trying to threaten you and you need to intimidate them. I mean, this really, in a very, very crude way at this point, it, it borders on the idea of simulating entire realities to manipulate people. And this reminds me of, you know, what they have done over and over in various wartime scenarios. I mean, for example, you know, some of the coolest documentaries about World War II are the ones where they show how that the United States government went to Hollywood and and got all of these special effects technicians and set designers and then went to Vegas and got all these magicians and brought them all together to create these mass illusions for you know to fool the enemy so for example there would be entire factories where the United States was creating munitions and these are obviously your most vulnerable targets because when the enemy comes over and they're going to try to bomb you they're going to go straight for your munitions factories so they would they would use these people these magicians, these illusionists, these Hollywood experts, in order to not only camouflage an entire like factory compound from the air, but then recreate it nearby, or at least recreate how it would look from the air so that the, the false one would get bombed instead of the real one. And if you were to go to, like, the real one, the real one had, like, this giant canopy over it and all this netting and all this mesh, and they had shadows and colors a certain way. So, you know, if you flew over that and you just looked down visually, it was invisible. But then if you flew over the fake one, because you're just looking from the perspective of the pilot down on the ground they didn't even actually have to create three-dimensional structures in many cases. They just had to create shadows and things so that it would look like there was a three-dimensional structure. And then in other cases, you know, they went so far as to create inflatable tanks and stuff like that because it costs a heck of a lot less to lose a big inflatable tank than it does a real tank. So look, there is precedent for just using physical props and and physical techniques to try to rearrange what you perceive as reality. But now that we've moved into this realm of information and energy generation, now you're seeing this possibly be magnified on a much, much grander scale where um, we've got virtual reality technology now, for God's sake, you know. We have holograms and holographs and we have 
you know, this great understanding of how to create three-dimensional looking things within space. You know, literally they're floating in space in front of you. And uh, so it does make you wonder where, where all this is going because, you know, as I've said before, I believe obviously that anything that can be done eventually will be done. And so I don't know if someday somebody's going to try to create a big Jesus in, a, in the sky with a second coming. And frankly, I don't even know how realistic that idea even is for people who believe that that's the way it's going to possibly look, right? But nonetheless, you'd think twice, wouldn't you? If you went outside and you saw some kind of giant apparition or you saw some kind of miraculous vision... It'd be very, very easy to create the appearance of UFOs flying around using this. But I guess when they use this example in the article I read you of Moses experiencing God speaking to him from the burning bush, it it really is a thought-provoking analogy because when that is described in the Bible, it says something to the effect that the bush was on fire, yet the fire did not consume the bush. So in other words, this bush was was glowing with plasma, but it wasn't destroying the plant as a regular fire would. So this wasn't a regular fire but it was fire-like enough that Moses would interpret it as being fire because that was the, the closest thing that he could come up with in his mind at that time. And so here we have the voice coming from essentially the plasma, and that is the way God is portrayed as speaking to Moses. And we are getting darn close to being able to do the exact same thing ourselves here in the laboratory. And mind you, this is just what is on YouTube, okay? This is not the top secret stuff. So the sky's the limit in terms of imagining how far all this can go. Amazing stuff. Who knows what we are going to get to see in this lifetime, this critical era. But uh, it's pretty exciting, and it's also frightening, and it makes you question everything you think you know about reality and how to judge what's real and what's false. So I believe that's it for today, but if you go to my Twitter feed, you'll find a link to this story where you can read it in detail. You can really watch the video and, and, and listen to this voice that they are creating for yourself and just see what it sounds like coming from the original source. It's that's the best way to do it. Um, and then uh, I, I'll, I'll also post it on my Facebook page. If you're a Facebook friend and, uh, and then you can, you know, look it over and maybe contact me and let me know what you think about it. My website again is Joshua P Warren. There is no period after the P Joshua P Warren com, And if you go there, you'll find all kinds of interesting stuff updated as often as possible. 
You'll find a link to my huge upcoming event in Las Vegas, Nevada. It is called Finding Your Magic. I, I, I keep trying. To, all the people who are around the state, are, they're telling me, don't call it Nevada. They say call it Nevada. So I'm, I, I'm having to force myself to do that. It's a new thing for me. Las Vegas, Nevada. And um, so uh, Finding Your Magic is coming up. Oh, It'll be here in no time. As you know, you'll find information on that. And then also you'll see a little red box there at the top, which is a link to this podcast. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily, and that's because I try to leave one for you every day. It's always short. It's always free. And uh, you can subscribe there, or if you follow me on Twitter, then I will just tweet when a new one is available. And listen, even if you've never done Twitter before, it's very, very easy. You can just sign up quickly, and if you want to, you can just follow me. I'll be the one person that you follow, and you can even get a text sent to you whenever I tweet something new. So you don't have to get involved in some big elaborate thing. Um, it, it makes it very, very easy for you, and that way you'll be alerted uh, immediately when one of these is posted. Okay, um, as usual, thank you for your interest. Thank you for your support. Thank you for staying curious, and I will talk to you again soon.